Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. Y'all doing well this morning? Good. I'm so glad to be with you this morning. Are you ready for the Bible? All right, I'm going to open up with 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8, and then after that I'm going to take a moment and pray. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8 says this, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each one should give what you have decided to give in your heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. Today's message is entitled, The Seeds That You Sow. Let's take a moment and let's pray. God, thank you so much for this opportunity to be here. Thank you for a time of worship. God, you're so worthy to be praised. We thank you for the the songs and the prayers that we sing, Lord Jesus. Great is your faithfulness. You're so good so came to our rescue. We thank you for who you are today. We thank you for your faithfulness towards us, and we just declare our love to you today. We open up our ears, God, to hear from you. We trust your ability to speak to us by your Holy Spirit through your word. Lord, our hearts are open today, and I pray for the empowerment and the leading of your Holy Spirit, God, to share what is in your heart today. Father, let it be caught even as it's taught. We love you and we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm, um, I'm excited to be with you all today. The weather the last couple weeks has just been all over, over the place, and there's been ice storms and all of that, and I actually was out of the country during the ice storms. I was getting news from it from halfway around the world. My son Ethan and I were in Central Asia on the mission field for a couple of weeks, and I do want to take a moment and first thank our prayer team who covered us in prayer throughout the trip. It is amazing how when people are praying for you, how you can feel it and see it as you're going and coming. And uh, the place that we were was 10 hours ahead of our time here, so it was a bit of a ways. And uh, somehow I got there, and with three hours of sleep, had zero jet lag when I got there, which is miraculous. That just doesn't happen. I know, because on the way home, I had plenty of it. Um, but i um, just so thankful. It was one of the many, Just that was just even just the front-end testimony, but such covering and such blessing as we went. And uh, Ethan and I went to visit a missionary family um, that Victory has supported for many years who are in a Muslim nation um, in Central Asia. Uh, They've been there for the last six years, and before that they were in another Muslim nation. And um, today I'm excited to give you an update on their work, but I also want to give you a word today because I feel like I got to experience a message from the Word while I was watching what God was doing there. And one of the unique pieces is, you know, this is my fourth trip over the last five years to this particular place. And so I've been able to, like Melanie was talking about in the offering today, I've been able to watch the seed grow um, over these past several years. And that's a really unique position. It's kind of like when you go to visit family and, uh, you know, you visit cousins or someone that you don't see often and you see their, their children and you go, oh, my word, you've grown so much, right? During the pandemic, for us, that was Caleb. He grew a foot 
during the pandemic. People are like, you've grown so much. I thought I just saw you two weeks ago. Um, but it's kind of like that in watching the seed grow, and it has such an impact on you. Um, and so I want to share that with you today. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 again, that latter part says, whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And I feel like I've had the opportunity to see the fruitfulness of seed um, that our church family has been sowing over the years in such a unique perspective. You know, the way that seed works is that you have to be willing to part with it first, right? You've got to be willing to give it away, um, to, if you will, bury it and let it die, and you can't dig it up like you really do just put it in the ground and trust it to do what it's supposed to do. John 12, 24 says this, Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. And in this scripture, in John chapter 12, Jesus is talking about his own life, that he was going to sow his own life for his disciples. But then he would also go on and speak to his disciples about their willingness to give their own life, both literally and figuratively lay down their lives. And isn't that what we're called to do? We respond to Jesus, and then we turn our life over to him. We turn the authority of our life over to him. We say, God, what is your will, and what is it that you want for me in my life? You gave me this life, and now I'm turning around, and I'm saying it is yours to do with as you please. And you know, when we, when we give away our time, we give away our money, when we give away our, our gifting, or even, you know, affection, we are sowing seed. We are giving something away, right? And sometimes you see the fruit of that immediately. You give a hug and somebody smiles, or, you know, you say a prayer and people feel encouraged, maybe even immediately. But most times, uh, our seed takes a long time, sometimes even years, to see the fruit of it. We see that in our families, and we see that in different areas of work and things like that. And today, I want to tell you that our sowing as a church family, um, our sowing is really making a difference. And, you know, this being my fourth trip, seeing seed and harvest take in action has just been so powerful. Um, the tens of thousands of dollars that we as a church family over the last 10 years have been sowing, even into this family and this particular part of the world, is making such a difference because there are people who have never heard the gospel, that we are participating in them getting to hear the message about Jesus, the good news of the gospel, that yes, indeed, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that we would not perish but have eternal life. And there's so many people who are being trained and raised up to share this good news with people who've never heard it. And frankly, they're reaching people and speaking to people that you and I couldn't speak to. And it's just um, really exciting. And so what I want to do is I want to share a series of stories with you. Most of them are tied directly to the missionary family that we're working with in that part of the world. Um, and a couple of stories have to do with an indigenous believer there who's grown up um, and became a Christian very early. Each of these stories, there's, there's a giving or a seed that is sown and in each of them, there's a reaping. There's a harvest that came forth from that seed. The first story I'm going to tell you is about um, a guy named Russell. Russell um, 
is the indigenous person who grew up in this Muslim nation and uh, was, came to Christ early in his life. And as a young man, he uh, went to villages where people had never heard, because his nation is not a Christian nation, it's primary, is very Muslim. Um, he would go to villages with, with other believers, and they would show a movie called The Jesus Movie, which is a movie that kind of cross-culturally can communicate the truth of the gospel to people. And in this one particular village, when he was in his 20s, he's probably about my age now, um, he got to, to share this, this video with his friends to a village, and several people came to know Jesus. And, you know, time goes on, and you go on with life, and you move on, and it's just kind of like that moment of something you did. Maybe you've been on a missions trip in your life, and you remember something that happened years ago, or, or an opportunity you had to give, or to sow, or take a trip, or to help someone, or things like that, and you never know what that little seed might turn into. Well, Russell, in his adult life, became um, a professional translator, and has worked a lot in translation, and I've known Russell for... Um, the five years that I've been going and coming to this part of the world because for most of the time he's been a translator for me and um, really skilled in that. Well, the school that I was visiting this time, um, which, was, which I'll tell you more about in a little bit, one of the students was a local student from that country. And within the first week, it co- they come to find out that this young man was, was uh, a, a boy who received the gospel way back when, when Russell went to, this, went to this place. And so Russell is in this underground school in a home where they're confidentially training people on, on the gospel and discipleship and things like that. And he realizes that this little boy who got led to Christ through the Jesus movie 20 years ago is now sitting in this underground school, and he just broke down and cried and realized, wow, what a difference. And during that school, uh, that young man would get prophesied over. We had um, a few other of our uh, MFI brothers there who were um, leaders, and we, we had a three-hour prophetic time one, one day in the school, and uh, we're prophesying over this young man and his wife that he would have an apostolic work that would go from village to village to village sharing the gospel of Jesus. And I'm thinking, man, what a neat experience for Russell to be standing there and to see the seed that he sowed so many years ago and the harvest that he's bringing and that he's still involved in this kind of work in this moment. I'll tell you one other Russell story um, that was a little bit overwhelming. Russell and I become friends over the years, and um, I said to him while I was there, because uh, we were working together every day with translation and stuff, I said, hey, let's go to dinner. And Russell was like, Wow, yeah, let's do it. So we went to dinner together, which was kind of neat because that's more of a, a friendship thing, not just a work thing, you know. And we went out to dinner, and we're having dinner, and he just talked, 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 talk, just sharing with me, just sharing with me, just sharing with me. I didn't have to do anything. I just could sit back and just talk, 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 talk. It's like something opened up. He's telling me about his friends, and he's telling me about um, underground church activity within the, the community that they're in and things that God is doing and how they're taking trips to the border and showing the Jesus movie and all kinds of things that are happening. And I'm just overwhelmed and listening. And then he begins to tell me the story about what he calls one of his crazy friends. He says, I got these crazy friends. He says, one of them used to be um, a pretty famous athlete in our country. And when he had finished with his athletic career, he opened up a gym. and, um, And he was really notorious for persecuting Christians. 
part of a gang, and he used to beat up the Christians when they were on their way to a church meeting or something like that. If he knew they were a believer, he'd beat them up. He beat up my friend Russell, broke his guitar, like all kind, like like really messed with him. But Russell found, or Russell's uh, this this gentleman, this athlete, found himself strung out on drugs and on his deathbed, and his mother cries out for, for help, for prayer. So Russell brings a couple of his friends over. This is probably 15 years ago. They come and they begin to pray for this famous athlete. And as they begin to pray, um, he had a vision. And he woke up and he says, I had this vision, and I had this vision of a cross, and I had this vision of someone laying their hand on me. So he went to the Muslim mullah and said, what am I, what's happening? And they're like, I don't know, but God must like you. He wasn't satisfied. He said, I need more answers. And so he began to reach out for more answers. And, and um, somebody finally told him, you had an encounter with Jesus Christ. That cross and what you, that was Jesus. He gave his life to Jesus. And he went from a persecutor to a believer. I'm sitting there listening to this message. And I'm like, I'm, I feel like I'm hearing the message of Paul in real life with a real life encounter in a place that's unreached. And I'm like, Lord, what am I doing here? This is just amazing. Then he looks at me across the table and goes, you want to meet him? And if you all know me, you know what I said. Yes. Picks up his phone. Hey, mind if I come by and bring somebody by? Sure. So we get in a car in the middle of the night. And of course, you know, I'm separated from our missionary family by this point. And, you know, I'm just out and about in this country with a local and Praise God, he speaks a lot of languages. Um, and we're out and about and going. He takes me to this place in the middle of the night where this guy is training young men in this athletic sport. And I go and I meet him, and he begins to tell me the same story. And he goes, oh, and you know, when I came to Jesus, he says, the gang I was part of came after me. He said, and they grabbed me by all of my appendages. And he says, they just started beating me and beating me. He said, they beat me. He says, and then they put a hood over my head and they were beating me. And he said, I heard this voice, this really quiet voice say, you're going to be okay. He said, and God put a love in my eyes for them. And then, and, and, and then he began to show me these athletes that he's ministering to and that he's sharing Jesus with, with just such boldness. And I thought, you know, Lord, there are people in this world that when, it's, when they say, I'm going to give up my life to serve you. It really does mean something. And it means so much. And it really inspired me in that moment. And I thought, you know what, God, look at the boldness and the love. And there's such a love in this man and such a grace in this man. He'd walked through so much. And here I am hanging out with Russell. And I'm like, Russell, these seeds that you have sown have made a difference in the story of your life. And, you know, there's, it's a story of a nation that, you know, that God is t touching and that God is ministering to. And um, I, you know, as I share those stories with you, I feel like as a church family, like this is an extension of our work as a body. And um, I'm there and it's like my mind is trying to take these pictures going, oh, I want to I share it with my family. I want to I tell you what I'm seeing. And so let me tell you a few more stories because I've got more stories than I have time. There's an Afghan um, refugee, we were not in, um, in that country, um, who came from a tribe that the Taliban had come from. And when he became a believer, he and his family were persecuted and they tried to bomb him and kill him. 
And so he fled the country to another, another country, took his children and his wife out of the country. And I met him probably four years ago for the first time. And living as a refugee in the country is not a very easy thing. It's a rough road, but he was just trying to keep his family safe and follow after Jesus because following Jesus had cost him everything. And in this country, in, this, in the refugee community, there's a lot of need and there isn't a real ability to work and things like that. And so um, at, he asked for some seed money to help start a business. And we and other people um, who know him, we gave some seed money just so he could start a very simple business, selling some rice and some bread and oil and just some things that people need day to day. And uh, he wanted to be able to work for money. Well, this, <laughs> the irony is that the business didn't take off as much, but his role in the community took off. And his influence as a leader in the community, and God gave him a voice in this community, and of course, he's a believer, which is totally different. And um, which gave him influence with others so that he could share the gospel with other people. And, you know, these folks needed the gospel. And then um, it so happens that the UN needed voices, community leaders, to help talk about what these refugees needed. And guess who they picked? This believer who was from this country. Just such an amazing thing. And I visited them a couple times, had dinner with them. I tell you, what's really humbling is when a refugee cooks you dinner. Like you don't, and they're just like, we're just so thankful that you're here. We're so honored that you're here, and they're making this meal, and they're wanting me to eat more than is humanly possible to eat. And I'm just trying to do everything I can, and it was really good food. And I thought, God, it cost them so much. And I'm leaving, and I thought, God, I want to give them money so that this meal didn't cost them anything. And I, and I felt like God cautioned me. He says, are you really going to rob them that way? Are you going to pay for your meal? Or are you going to let them bless you? And I'm just like, God. I'm going to let them do what you've led them to do. Help me to be obedient in all that you call me to do. Amen? Another uh, <clears throat> Afghan refugee who'd been in this country for years, um, lived, in a refu- in, in, lived through so much, lived through so much war, seen so much, so much, a lot of PTSD and things like that in their life, and came to know Jesus, and, and Jesus delivered them from a, an opium addiction and um, have been interacting with our missionary family for over, over the years. And God's given them a real call to go to unreached people. So while he's preparing for that call and as a leader in the, in the community, even as a refugee, um, God put it on his heart to start a program for young refugee teenagers. And it's a football or soccer program. And uh, I got to visit it and see it firsthand. And um, I watched and as they lined up. And when we got there, they lined up like 20 teenage boys who were all out there playing soccer under this tin roof uh, kind of set up and a kind of a fake turf kind of thing. And we're sitting there, and these boys are all standing there like this with such pride and such dignity as they were being trained in, in, their, in their game. And, and what this um, refugee has been doing over the years is he, is he is sharing the gospel with these young 
with these kids. Now, this, this young man had been in the first school, and I'm again going to talk about the schools in a moment, that I had taught in five years ago when I arrived, and now he's leading this program. It really brought me to tears to see the influence that this young man is having. He says, and I've got a, I've got a, a vision for opening up a gym because I think I can reach more people if I have a gym. And God's just using his natural athletic gifting and passions and things like that. He pulls together, pulls one of the young men out of the crowd and takes them aside, and we begin to talk, and he says, and this young man has accepted Jesus. And, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm looking at this one life that was, that, you know, uh, just, just one of, you know, so many people have been touched. And I'm like, how much has this young man's life and destiny changed? Because he's come to know Jesus. And it just, it just was such a, a thing in my heart. And I thought, you know, years ago... I knew this man's story and we were sowing the word of God in him and he's been trained and he's been loved and he's had a community and now what is he doing? He's trying to share this good news that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners because he believes it, has received it and he wants more people to know his Jesus because Jesus changes people's lives. Amen? I want to tell you a little bit about our missionary family that's there and you know I've been you know, kind of purposefully vague because, you know, now we, we broadcast everything that we do on Sunday morning, and we used to be able to come in on Sunday mornings and show lots of pictures and talk about a lot of names and then just, you know, swear everyone to a code of silence, and now we just have to be wiser um, in those kind of things, and that's okay because it doesn't have to be specific um, for you to know, and many of you have met these, this family that we're so near and dear to. Um, our missionary family moved to this particular country six years ago. They were um, in Afghanistan at one point in their lives as well, and uh, it was, this is a safer place for them and their family. They've got children to be in sharing the Lord. And as a, as a church family, one of the things that we have started, helped them with in supporting their family is starting a business. And what's great about a business in many countries is that it gives you permission to be there. And so they've been able to be there, and the Lord's given them great success with this business. Um, one of the things we also learned is things change. We thought it was going to be one kind of business, then it ended up being a different kind of business, and you just roll with it, right? Well, the Lord gave them success, and um, a handful of employees, and some of them are Muslim, and some of them are believers, and they're just working in the community. And um, then the, they had to move their business. They were in a prime location that's going to get torn down, and they said, listen, we're going to tear this block down. And it was an opportunity to go, okay, what are we supposed to do here? And God kind of gave them the, hey, I want you to move forward, not sideways or backwards. And so they went from one space that was um, about the size of two of these stages, maybe three of these stages, to a space that's one and a half times our auditorium for the business that they have. And now they are, they are employing 30 employees. Muslim, Christian, all kinds of things. And that's just, that's just one thing that's going on. Meanwhile, you know, their, their main focus is training up leaders, church planters, disciplers in the nation. And they have these underground schools. And you know what happens is for a student to go to one of these schools... They stop everything in their lives for five to six months at a time. And they, they go to learn God's word. They uh, try to raise funds to help pay for the school. And um, they go there to learn God's word. They go there to, to develop their walk with Christ. And they're taught how to reach 
other unreached folks, which they become the most effective people at it, especially when they're indigenous. And they, they, the last two months of their training is typically an outreach to people who've never heard about Jesus. And the, when I say these students, some of these students are young adults who've stopped everything in their lives. Some of these students are couples with children who are in their 20s or 30s and sometimes even older, and they are just stopping everything in their life to just learn and to grow. And, you know, from our perspective, it's such a great sacrifice, but also from their perspective, many times they're like, where else can I get this kind of training and this kind of pouring in? And that's where, you know, we've had the privilege of, you know, somewhat, our church family, there's certain things that we can do and certain things we can't do in these kind of circumstances. And what I can do is I can go teach the Bible. <laughs> um, and so, it, but there's a lot of other parts that I'm not trained on doing that they are. Over the last five years that um, I've been visiting, again, this was the fourth visit, I've watched the students become the leaders in these schools, which has been such an amazing thing to watch develop. When I arrived this time, they had two schools going on simultaneously. Because of the pandemic, one of the schools had to get delayed. And so rather than staggering, staggering them out like they had intended to, they had two schools going on at the same time. One of them was a five-month school just like I was talking about. The other one uh, took the same amount of sacrifice from the students, actually greater sacrifice because they had to raise support. But about 15 students committing their lives for two years to commit themselves to reaching unreached people groups and to be trained in language and skills and all that kind of thing. And, um, you know, most of my time that week was, was teaching on identity in Christ and preaching on spiritual warfare. Um, the students were from all over the world. There were indigenous students from that country. There were Afghani students. There were students from Brazil and from the U.S. and from Norway and the Netherlands and um, you know, Muslim nations. And, you know, the scope of running schools like this in an unreached nation is hard to um, overemphasize the sacrifice, the, the provision, the everything that it takes to, to run something like this. It takes so many committed leaders. They had about a dozen leaders who that was their job was running these schools. A lot of efforts from, from teachers, of course, and it was a significant sacrifice for these students and just a lot of money renting homes, feeding everyone, keeping a low profile, so much going on because you're, you're meeting in houses and it's not public and things like that. But you know, in these situations, you're watching these young people sacrifice and middle-aged people sacrifice so much and you're going, what is God going to do with this seed of their time and their effort and their setting themselves aside? And it's just staggering. And I, and I want to tell you today, when I, it, it's so easy when we hear stories of the sacrifices that other people do. I used to say when this missionary family would visit that we, we use sacrifice with a little s and they use sacrifice with a big s, you know. And, you know, the, the amount that they've sacrificed over the years, we've always decided to allow it to inspire us, not demoralize us. In other words, let it be something that says, I can rather than I'm not and I'm, you know, and, and as a way of judging ourselves and, push, and just feeling slimy. 
but let it be something that calls us to, you know what? Speaking the name of Jesus is so much easier for me than it is in places like that. And, you know, these kinds of things, like God can do so much, and I'm going to use the freedom, and I'm going to use the provision, I'm going to use the seed that I have, and I'm going to be faithful what's in, with what's in my hand. I'm not in the same circumstance, but in my circumstance, I'm going to be faithful with what I have. And I just want you to know that the seeds that you sow, they really matter. And they really make a difference. You know, the we use... a. a you know, tithes and offerings around here, uh, your tithes and offerings make a difference. They make a difference in lives around here. They make a difference in lives around the world. The, you know, our efforts with Victory for Generations, which we're going to celebrate that three-year uh, mark here in April, that's our that capital campaign for our building fund, um, to watch the way that we have as a family put our seed aside for something in the future and, you know, it's in due time, it'll produce its harvest. In its time, it'll do its thing, is significant because we don't know who God has in their mind and the stories of what God has in the future. You know, our outreaches like the Harvest Food Pantry, and we talked about in the announcements today, our Living Free Recovery Program, that the week by week, just sowing into people's lives and sh- sowing love and sowing um, the Word of God and sowing a prayer and sowing food and all of these little things, they really, really make a difference in our community. You know, um, things like our, our life groups where we are coming together and we are encouraging one another in that time where the scripture that the Lord had given you in the morning, that you shared it with a friend at a life group that night, and it changed the way they looked at a problem that they'd been having for years. Those kinds of things make a real difference. And some of the seeds that we sow are really big seeds, and some of them are just trickling out of our pocket, and we don't even realize it. But it all matters, and it all counts. You know, the missionaries that we support, and you know, we will put tens of thousands each year in the missions as a church family. And the missions that we're supporting in Baltimore and Haiti and in Central Asia, and even with what we're doing with pastors around the world, um, it really makes a difference um, to be able to walk alongside. And for us to have a mission here, but also to partner with people who are doing missions in places that we are not, um, because God likes to use that community of family. It makes us better missionaries at home. And I just want to tell you today that your deposits are making a difference. I feel like I had the opportunity to watch our seed growing in a very particular place. Just to be with a missionary family who's been in a kind of a lockdown situation in a country for the last year and a half and be able to sit with them and and love on them and and tell them, hey, we're for them and, and to encourage them. Like even just that relational support is so much. And, you know, your deposits day to day in life, and I'm not just talking about money by any means, your deposits of a word of encouragement, your deposits of a a word of prayer, a hug or a smile, um, showing people that you see them, showing people that they matter and that someone cares, all of those seeds produce fruit. And I just want to encourage you today to not, um, not take lightly all the seeds that you sow. What's great about our God is that as we sow into others, our heart and finance and love and all those kind of things, as we give into others, we have a God who takes really good care of us. 
You know, in Galatians chapter 6, it says this. Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever reaps to, sow their, to, to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap this destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. This scripture is interesting because it starts off talking about your works and, hey, you know, don't sow to the sinful nature, sow to the spiritual nature like the, your walk with Christ. But then it begins to, to transition to, hey, don't, don't grow weary in doing good. You're going to reap a harvest. Let's do good to all people and this idea of doing good to others. And I just want to encourage you. You know, we're in this season of life and history that none of us anticipated being in. And after like a bazillion COVID tests going and coming, somehow I made, we made an international trip in the midst of all of this without breaking the rules and all that kind of stuff. But to see the seed growing gives me such great encouragement as I come home to you and say to you, listen, the seed that you are sowing is making a difference. And my encouragement to you today is do not grow weary in doing good. Don't grow weary. You're probably in a season where it's harder to see the fruit of what you've put in the ground and of the seed that you've sown. But you know what? It all matters and it all counts. And I think some of it we will not even see until the other side of eternity, the impact of some of the things that we've said and done in this life. But I want to encourage you that this is a time and season where the, the seed you've put in the ground is doing its work and let's not grow weary and well-doing, and let's lean forward in God and lean forward in what we know that he has called us to do because the reality is we've got a lot of job security until we get to heaven because there's a lot of people who need to know about the Lord Jesus and how much he loves them and the fact that he gave his life up for them and that he has a plan and a purpose for their lives and that he cares for them. He wants to remove all the shame that they feel in their life. He wants to remove all the guilt that they, they're carrying in their life. And he wants to give them empowerment to live in this life and to feel like they're overcoming and have an inheritance in heaven and not that life is just getting through until it's over. And we have that message in us. And these jars of clay, we have this message of eternal life. And I just want to encourage you, be generous with the seed that God has put in your heart, in your mouth that many, many people will come to know Jesus. And I want to encourage you today, if you're, if you're here today watching online or listening to a podcast, if you've never made that decision to turn your life over to Jesus, all it takes is a moment in your life where you say, I do not want to be in charge of my own life anymore. I want to put the rule and the reign of my life into the God who made me's hands. I want him to be my ruler and I want to follow him. God, forgive me of my sin. Thank you for Jesus who gave his life on the cross for me. I just need a new life and a new start and it starts today. And if that's a decision that you're making today, uh, we want to rejoice with you. We want to walk with you. Um, it is the greatest decision you will ever make on February 28th, 2021, if you're listening to this real time. Um, you're making that decision. If that's you today, would you go to victorychristian.church and click on next steps 
so that we can hear from you and we can reach out to you and rejoice with you. Amen? Amen. Will you stand with me if you're in the room? And I'm going to take a moment and I'm going to pray. Thank you for giving me a little extra time to share. Like I said, I have more stories than I have time. But a lot of times I figure that people are more willing to listen to stories than just teaching, so they want more. Amen? But uh, I want to pray and pray with you. And I want to pray for the missionaries and the relationships that we have around the world. Amen? Father, we thank you for this day and for the opportunity that you have given us, Lord Jesus, God, to, um, to serve you and to know you and to walk with you. God, we have the privilege of walking with people um, who are doing your will around the world in a way that is just so amazing. And God, we ask you to bless them and to watch over them and to cover them. Help us to serve them well. And Father, to have great partnerships around the world because God, you're doing great things in our community and you're doing great things around the world. And uh, Lord, we want everyone everywhere to hear of how great you are, Jesus. Lord, I pray for your encouragement upon our church family. God, as we sow seeds in this life, Lord, the seeds that we sow really do make a difference and they matter. And so, God, we ask you to lead us and to guide us, that we be a generous people, a generous people with our love, with our affection, with our time, with our talents, generous people with our finances, because, God, we know, God, that you're doing great things. And it is our privilege to serve you and your kingdom. We love you and we honor you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to victorychristian.church. Have a great day.